Welcome back to another episode of Movie Madness. I'm your host, Henry Thompson, and joining me, as always, is my brother, Wayne Thompson. Wayne, say hello for me. Hello. It's been too long. It has been a long while. We've been very busy with other things, and Movie Madness has been severely neglected. It's very disappointing. But we're here today with a special guest, and we're going to be interviewing Lola Louise. Lola, say hello. Hey. Oh, hey. hey. You know, whatever works for you. Now, Lola, this is the first time getting you on a proper episode, so we're going to give you the questions. The questions. And the questions, I'm sure everyone who's an established listener already knows, is four questions. They're nice and easy, but they give a good baseline of who you are and what you're talking about here today. Um, Which, so everyone knows in advance, we're talking about Monday Blues, which is an upcoming project that Lola has currently got a Kickstarter on trying to get those oh-so-sweet dollars and pounds and euros and rupees and what not to put together into a dream, into a reality. But before all of that, the questions. The best questions in the world. <laughs> so, Lola, before we get into everything, we need to know from you, as an up-and-coming filmmaker, if you could work with any actor, living or dead, who would it be and why? I have no idea, but I'm probably going to say either Audrey Hepburn or Rob James Collier. Interesting options. I think, I'd, why, why Audrey Hepburn? Um, because everyone says I look like her, so it would just be really weird to work with her. So you just want to do more of like a Freaky Friday thing with her and, f- and trick everyone, huh? Just like looking yeah. in the mirror. Would it freak you out if you got to hang out with her, come back to life? You had to hang um, out with her, and she was exactly the same personality. Would that freak you out? Not really. I'm not scared by anything. Not scared by anything. What about like uh, spiders? Okay, that doesn't count. Ah! <laughs> and I was gonna, I was gonna take that down a rabbit hole, but no, got you on the first one. Yeah. Cool. So, second question there, Lola. As an up and coming filmmaker, if you could work with any director, living or dead, who would it be and why? Oh my god, Wes Craven. Hey, um, I like. nice pick. Because he directed the best horrors of the best era. And which one's the best of the best? I can't say that. You can't just you defend can. other ones. Well, no, because like I would have immediately said, right, I just got to say, I would have been like, Wes Craven, amazing, but between like saying the best of the best time it's so hard to juggle between like him and John Carpenter and stuff. So which is your favorites of Wes Craven that really won him over for you? I'd probably say Scream. It was the first ever horror movie that I'd watched and I didn't cry at. <laughs> and you didn't cry at? What, which ones did you cry at? Um, pretty much every single one, especially Chucky as a kid. Oh, yeah, well, because obviously Chucky is just nightmare fuel when you're a kid. Yeah. Well, I like that pick. I think Wes Craven it was an absolute master. And I mean, he I don't I'm not going to get into this yet, but I saw the most recent scream and you can really tell it wasn't his. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, so Lola, 
the third question here. If you could spend a day in any movie or TV show or whatever for a day, 24 hours in a movie, TV show, what would it be? You Grey's can't Anatomy. get hurt. I was just going to say, you can't get hurt. You can't be anything. So, where's Anatomy? Yeah, wow. I mean, well, everyone survives in that for some reason. They usually come back as a ghost, but you know. <laughs> but in Grey's Anatomy? Oh, yeah. Boy, that's changed since I watched it. Yeah, yeah, me. Yeah, some questionable stuff. Well, isn't Grey's Anatomy just ER by way of Danielle Steele? Well, it used to be. Sounds like it's gone a little bit more in uh, horror lately. Ghosts and everything else. It wasn't exactly horror style. It was more like, let's get everyone to cry about things. So let's bring all these people back from the dead. Uh, pull the emotional ripcord. I get you. See, I, I imagine I've never actually watched Grey's Anatomy beyond the commercials, I'll be honest, but I always imagine it's like, Doctor, we've got to work fast. This guy's heart's about to explode. You think you got to work fast on that? Look what's in my pants. Zip! Yeah. That's kind of what it used to be like, yeah. That's what it looked like it was. It looked way too steamy for a medical show. It's not <laughs> <Yeah>. anymore. <laughs> no, if they went full, like, uh, full actual medical now. No, they never have done that. Never. It's hard to explain what it is now. It's just kind of disappointing, I'd say. Oh, so did it go more from, from lust to love? Like now they love each other? Um, More like that there's no couples that you actually want to succeed because all of them are boring. Oh, that's disappointing. Uh, yeah. I did hear they killed like McDreamy at some point or something, didn't they? 2015. Mm. How do you have a show without Patrick Dempsey? Anyway, whatever. Well, long story <laughs> about that one. <laughs> I'll have to hear that on a separate time because the fourth question. If you could hang out for a day, have a, grab a drink or go see a movie with or whatever, any character, not the actor, but the character from any movie in history, who would it be you'd hang out with? Um, well, I'm going to say TV shows and I'm going to say Scream Queens, Chanel Oberlin, because she's just so iconic. Okay. I've not actually watched Scream Queens. I hear it's really good. Yeah, it got cancelled, though. Uh, like everything good gets cancelled, doesn't yeah. it? I was just, yeah, I was just about to say, all the good shows get cancelled. <laughs> it's true, though. All the good shows get cancelled and all the shit keeps going. How? I have <laughs> Riverdale. No idea. Oh, River. Oh, man. I'm not even going to start Riverdale. I watched like three episodes. I used to read a lot of Archie comics as a kid. And I was just like, what the fuck is this shit? Seriously? Oh, that Who is it even made by, for? I only go by my daughter, who's like now 17. She watched the first four, four seasons, loved them. She fucking hates it now. Absolutely. It's horrible. I can't, I can't even figure out what they've done. Like series one was so good. And then it just kept going down and down. Absolutely crazy, but excellent answers. And now I feel like we all know a little bit more about Lola Louise. So Lola, tell us why you're here today and a bit about yourself. To talk about my TV series that I wrote. Ooh, I like TV. What's it about? Come on, give us the spill. Uh, not too I'd much. Probably, so. I know it's so hard to not to spoil it all. I'd probably say it's about Maya, who's an undiagnosed autistic teen in her last year of school, and she's going on a journey of self-discovery, mostly to find out who her parents are. 
Nice. And what so kind of shows is it similar to? <laughs> I'm not going to say any school dramas because it's like one of a kind. I, I wouldn't really compare it. I don't think I can compare it to anything that's already out there. It's that unique is what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. It's a school drama though, I'm guessing. I'd say boarding school, not like the cliche school drama. Oh, I don't care, right. And I will say as well for the audience out there, uh, we, as our sister company, New Enterprise Studios, have helped Lola go from her original draft to getting together a little package to promote the idea of this and try to raise the funds to get the the actual pilot shot. And um, we found it a really interesting concept all the way through as we went, uh, because a lot of this is based directly off your real life. Isn't that right, Lola? Yeah, I'd say partially based off real life. Some of it, not so much. But ironically, when I was writing it, I wrote some of it last year, earlier on this year, and it started mimicking my exact life, my exact words and everything. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's getting very spooky when reread and everything. But I suppose that that would come with a lot of writers. You, you always end up putting your own kind of traits and your own life experiences into it. So that, that I think that's quite expected. Yeah, it's just foreshadowing stuff. That's very scary. I think the one of the early uh, things I learned when I was learning how to write and reading all the all the uh, professionals and their opinions and their feedback is you write what you know. And I think that the yeah. main thing about this is, even though you've obviously got some dramatic elements you've added and storylines that haven't actually happened in reality that are just made for the show, the main thing is you're writing the lead character from your perspective, your lived experience. Yeah. And I think that's what's yeah. going to come through the show the most. Yeah, it's kind of strange to see somebody who's like myself on the page going through what I went through in my last year of school because I was just spiraling every single day and it was just insanity and nobody knew what was like going on inside my mind so hopefully this will awaken people to what it's actually like being neurodiverse in a neurotypical world. Do you feel as someone who's uh, neurodiverse that there's not a lot of content created with that in mind or with the actual experience of it in mind because i know you've talked before i saw a uh a thing you'd said before about other people in the autistic community or people that represented the autistic community in film and tv have just kind of won it and it was very like stereotyped and not your experience of it yeah it's very offensive people tend to go for what looks obvious to make sure like the person looks autistic as well which isn't actually true it's invisible for a reason so there's a lot of like mocking people and mocking like traits that we have and it's just it just doesn't slide anymore maybe like years ago it was okay but now it's not really acceptable i think i think from myself who i mean i, I worked in the industry of um extreme autism and extreme learning disabilities and i think what people forget especially in the writing industry you're writing what you're seeing and unfortunately i think the problem is they do not understand it is the problem because there is they're trying to rub out a thing called a spectrum but there is a spectrum i don't care what anybody says you've got people who are mild who still get on with life but then you've got those who are so severe they need to be looked after 24 7. So it does go from one extreme to the other. So 
for people who, like yourself, who might, like you see, is invisible to others, Lola, people wouldn't understand that. They just, the problem with people is, and I'm not going to say all people, I'm just saying people in general, is people judge books by the covers. So they look at you and think, oh, there's a young girl, she's fine, or she, you know, she's pretty, she's good, she's all this, and they haven't got a clue who you are. Yeah. So that's why I think in the early days, autism was portrayed as the extreme autism, if you know what I mean. And, and yeah. yes, it is. It's offensive to those who are not as severe as those, because as you rightly said, that's not exactly what autism necessarily is. There's a different variation of it. So you, yeah. you're absolutely right in what you're saying, and I can see why you get upset. But at the same time, I can kind of see why the older generation would portray it. Like, newer generations should be understanding it more. So it is mm-hmm. quite upsetting that they haven't moved along with the times now. But yeah. it's, nice, it's nice to see you're trying to do that. Yeah, like when I look at shows, it's either like the boy genius or like the person who can't function. There's never any in between. And it's just like, really? At this point in life, nobody's represented it rightly. Nobody's represented females, for one. Like I'll look back at Walter Road because I've been watching it this week and I'm like, that is just so bad. I'm like, that portrayal is horrendous. Like showing that autistics are violent and things like that. When that's not actually a reality, especially in females, a lot of females just mask. So it looks like there's nothing wrong with them and you speak to them and you don't know if there's anything wrong. And that's the way it is in females. And portraying something else is just like absurd, really. But again, though, I mean, where I've come from, some females would have hurt themselves. But so that again comes down to categorizing the the severity of it, if you know what I mean. But you're again, you are right in what you're saying. You know, there is there is it's always going to be that divide. Male is different to female, even though I always get wrong for saying that because there are these new jargons what's out there which I've never understood. I apologize for that. It's just who I am. I don't mean nothing <laughs> by it. Well, I'm only sad because I will get in trouble. And I'm I'm 48 years old. I haven't got a clue. You know what no, I mean? No, no, but, no. Be fair. There's nothing any of us can say without somehow stepping on someone's toes at exactly. some point in this day and age. But, yes. but, but we're trying Lola our best. Is, Everyone tries their best. But Lola is right. She is right. You know, there's different chemical balances. There's different, you know, everything is different, really. So I can, I know exactly what you're saying by that. The thing I find interesting about uh, Monday Blues and you specifically, Lola, writing Maya as a character that's effectively based on yourself is. When people look at someone from the outside, they see obviously what is portrayed. It could be, well, this person seems a little socially awkward or this person seems like, uh, you know, they don't consider the consequence of their actions sometimes or whatever purposes. Yeah, but what they don't see and what you obviously experience and therefore have translated into Maya as a character is that internal struggle you're dealing with of how you represent yourself to the world from from your brainwaves. Because to a normal person, you might be like, well, I go and do this thing and that makes sense. But for someone who's got autism, it might be like an entire chore or an activity to deal with that one individual thing because people don't see that the, the thought process is involved and you're kind of explaining what Maya goes through. And I think that's a really interesting aspect. Yeah, I think probably one of my favorite episodes is episode three because you actually get to see something that I've went through, antidepressants mixed with autism. Sometimes it works, sometimes it just crashes and burns. 
So I've thrown that in there because that's been my experience this year. And it has been like, you couldn't make it up. If I told people, they'd be like, oh, that's so funny. I'm like, it wasn't. Yeah. It's just yeah. bizarre the way things can affect you. And, and again, that comes down to the fact that medication affects everybody differently. No one person is the same. You know, what might work for you won't work for the next person or what worked for the other person might not work for you. And it yeah. is hard. It is hard, you're right. I think when you get the wrong medication, it does affect you the wrong way. It's hard. It, you know, yeah. it, it, it kind of makes you feel like you're going insane. Um, yeah, I was for months on end. Like, I was constantly, like, it felt like I was dying every single day. Like, it was just horrendous. And I didn't, I couldn't get any help because it was like nobody would believe us in a way. I was just, it helped yeah, I was. Just, I was I was just about to say it, and I know that you'll have come across those people who didn't want to believe you, who thought you were making it up, who thought you were exaggerating. Sadly, again, this is going to happen all the time. People judging, and they've never experienced it. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. wish it on anyone, to be honest. And when did you, you first started writing this quite a while ago, didn't you? When I was 11. Yeah, and writing it so young, what was the purpose of writing it at that stage? Like, what what inspired you to start writing this? I mean, a lot of a lot of younger people, they might write a diary or a journal. My here's my personal struggle. You started writing a TV show. Why did you start writing a TV show? Well, I loved TV shows at that point. Like, I was surrounded by them. I've just been introduced to new ones, and I was writing scripts for them. And then I got the suggestion that why don't I just write my own? So I took all the struggles that I had and put it in there and just kept writing and writing and it became like an outlet rather than like what people would say is kind of a chore. I gave up my entire childhood for this show and mm. yeah, I'm kind of proud that I did, but at the same time, I kind of gave away a lot. I must tell you, I find, that, I find that quite interesting because you said you started writing at 11, yeah? But you said you struggled more in your last year. So your writing development must have really changed as you got older to, to, to be able to include all that, surely. Yeah, I mean, I was looking over the last draft. Ironically, me and Lee yesterday were reading over scripts that I'd wrote. And it's just the big difference. In the beginning, it wasn't exactly about much. It, every time I look back at it, I can remember it and I'm like that was horrendous it didn't make any sense it was wrote in trap slang <laughs> but yeah the I'd probably say the 2015 draft it was kind of like about my character spiraling because it was wrote in my last year of school and yeah yeah it, it was kind of hard to explain things and like my character didn't really have a support system and well neither did I to be honest and it was mm -hmm. just nice to create some characters who understood what it was like in a world like mine. Yeah. Now, you've just mentioned Lee there. Now, for the audience, people might not know who Lee is. Do you want to introduce Lee? I know he's not going to be with us today, sadly. He was meant to be, but he obviously can't be for, for um, personal reasons. So if you'd like to explain who Lee is, just so people know. Lee McShane is like an amazing writer. And he wrote a short film called Dark Forest. We somehow got connected earlier this year when he donated to one of my fundraisers. And we've talked every single day since. And then at one point I asked him if he would like to like edit my script. 
So I like come on board and yeah, he's wrote episodes and things like that. And we're just like best friends. That's cool. amazing. I love cool. when people get brought together by creative endeavors. It's such, yeah, a, it's such a wonderful thing. It's the way it should um, be. It is. Yeah. It's because it, you, again, you want uh, anything with creative stuff to be a community and people that you care about spending time with, because it's always a tough road getting these things from a piece of paper with some writing on it to something that people can watch around the world. It's always an effort to get that happening. So Absolutely. it's good when you meet people that you like spending the time with and like working with and all that stuff. I will say, Lola, uh, as well, I think one of the main things I see from Monday Blues is you want people to feel like they can put themselves in the shoes of you and your experience, or, or Maya and her experience, I should say. But also, maybe when you first started out, yeah, it was more just that, that one thread of Maya's experience. But as it's been developed over the years, I see, because I've read the first, obviously, couple of um, episodes, the drafts of those, and on the most recent drafts, they're, they're full-fledged stories. There's lots of ancillary characters. They all interact with each other. And every episode has a standalone arc and a story to it. And obviously, that's something you've developed much longer over time. I doubt you were at 11 going, like, here's these 13 people and how they interact. <laughs> it would have just been, here's no. my experience. So what do yeah. you think? Uh, do you think that's, like, really driven you as a person to, to tell the story and make them more accessible to the whole world kind of thing? Um, I kind of want to appeal to a lot of people and I know that I struggle and then I've got friends who struggle with certain things and it feels right to represent their stories, not just mine. Because mm -hmm. in a way, we're all part of like a community sometimes. We're yeah. all relate to one another. And to be honest, like some we'll all have friends out there and stuff like that and putting Maya if I just put Maya in it it would just kind of be boring because nobody else could relate you want to appeal to as many people by doing tackling as many subjects as possible and it's, it's kind of like teaching as well isn't it you're trying to teach people what it is as well yeah I kind of I've taught a lot of people about things that I've experienced in a way to just help them because I don't want anybody else to feel as alone as I did in the world. Which is, I think is a really nice message and gesture to do, but also again, having read the, uh, the first few episodes, what I like is it never feels like, and maybe this is, you're just good at putting yourself in other people's shoes. I don't know. It never feels like the thing is like a after school special or a, a talking down to like, you will pay attention to my problems. It always feels like you're there to entertain people. But if they're paying attention, they're going to learn a lot about the struggles that people go through at the same time. And I think that's really cool that it's it's there, but it's not thrust in your face constantly like yeah. feel bad about your behavior, sir, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. I wouldn't want to force it at somebody like I've. If I'm totally honest, so the main characters, I've got my story in one of them and then other experiences that I've went through in other characters. I've kind mm -hmm. of just palmed off what I've went through and explored it that way because it would be too much if one character went through loads. And I just kind of, it helps us deal with a lot of things at once by exploring it. You find that writing process like a cathartic thing. It's like your personal therapy. Um, I used to, not so much now. I feel like it's a lot of stress. <laughs> well, that's not good. What was the change? What made it turn into stress from therapy? 
I'd probably say the fact that it's more close to being made and it's no longer just like a hobby. It has to be good stuff. So it's a, it's a worry now. You're panicking now in case you haven't done it good enough and things like that. You'll always feel like I think everybody tends to feel like that when they start out. It's understandable. Yeah, like on a, I was talking to Lee yesterday and I was like nearly crying about how I'm so scared. It's so funny. But at least even though you have that fear, I mean, you're still pushing forward. You're doing the best you can and you're trying to put all these things in a position to make it happen. The fact you don't give into that fear, I think, is a really powerful thing. And you should remember that and hold on to that for yourself, because a lot of people, whether they're uh, neurodiverse or you know neurotypical, they deal with depression. They, they have the happiest life in the world. Everyone from every kind of the thing. Lots of people try to start writing something or create something. And they let it fall away from them for whatever reason, whether it's life getting in the way or money or time or anything. And you've still consistently pushed this for years of your life. I think that's a really big thing that you haven't let go. Yeah, I mean, I think it helps that people are just constantly have told us to just give in because it's never going to happen. And, and when people are so negative like that, it just makes you want to try even more just to prove them wrong. Like there were mm -hmm. so many people who bullied us and made us feel like so bad about myself. And to be honest, like, why did I listen to them then? Like every time I look back now, I'm like, why did I listen to a bunch of nobodies? Half of them are doing, like they're probably not even living their own dreams. So mm -hmm. yeah, what I say is like, people with a small mind can't comprehend big dreams. It's a, it's a pretty common problem with people. Not everyone, obviously, but a lot of people where they feel these things are impossible you know tv pilots movies tv even short films anything that's the stuff of hollywood or over there those people it's not our people and you get a lot of that kind of closed-mindedness because they people feel they couldn't do it so how could you do it and i mean we've dealt with that a lot haven't we wayne where people oh, will, damn, eh? will second guess the, the the possibilities and you got to be like well no if you if you follow it through and have a dream and you can make it happen, but they're of course sitting there going, well, my only dream is to have like $7 million in the bank and I don't have it. Therefore it's not possible to follow a dream. Or oh, the next yeah. top PlayStation five game or the next yeah. top, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No ambition. So again, I think that's a really, again, a strong positive that you have that you've still kept going and that you haven't listened to those people. Cause it's right what, what Lola's saying. I've had that a lot where people have said, you can't do blank. And sometimes you really want to give it and go, oh, I probably can't. And I mean, I would just always go like, look, as long as I'm sure in myself, I'll just keep pushing forward. But I, I find it funny. Your attitude is more like, you don't think I can do it? I'll fucking show you, mister. <laughs> yeah. It's so aggressive back. It's just like, why just sit there and take it now? I'm like, I'll have this dream where if I ever win an award, I'm going to dedicate it to all the haters because without them, it wouldn't be possible. Nice. Well, you know, that means everybody, we've got to get this to become award winning so we can have that happen. I think that's the, that's it the future. It does be too funny. <laughs> I was just going to say, it'll be really funny one of them days in the future when someone's like, oh, remember me from school? I'm like, no, no chance. I would say, oh, yeah, you were useless, weren't you? <laughs> it was, uh, no, it's funny because I, I, I remember one of our Darian's favourite singers, apparently they were bullied at school and she bumped into them working 
at a cashier desk in the supermarket once, and they said exactly the same. Hey, do you remember me? And she just looked at her and think, yeah, and what way? <laughs> Which I thought was absolutely priceless personally. Just, oh, yeah, see ya. Absolutely fab. So, yeah, the yeah. moral of that story, ladies and gentlemen, is try to be good to those around you that have dreams in case they ever make it, because otherwise you're going to look like a total dick when you're like, hey, weren't we best pals? Like, no, you were abusive. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pay it forward, everybody. Be nice to each other. Duh. That's like, exactly. like rule 101 of being a human being. <laughs> yeah, treat everyone how you want to be treated. With the uh, Kickstarter... Just uh, to let everyone know, we're recording this on the 7th of September, and this should air on the 8th of September, which is tomorrow. Hooray, so not very long gap. And uh, by the time this airs, there'll be 16 or less days left to the Kickstarter. Now, it's an all or nothing crowdfunding situation. And at this, at the time of speaking, it's just over the halfway mark. Which is pretty yep. damn good, you know what I mean? We've to be the there. halfway mark. That's awesome, I think, personally. <laughs> yeah, and uh, what I what I want to know is to the people who are thinking, hmm, do I want to contribute to this? Do I not? What What do you have to say to them, Lola? It's hard to think what you'd want to really say to people. Um, I'd say if you've ever felt like really lonely in the world and that you've been alone with struggles, this is the series for them to invest in because it tackles everything like that and it's there to make people feel less alone in the world and also and that think, you're very thankful i think <laughs> yeah i am it's just overwhelming in a way did you think when you first obviously when this was put together i know lee helped you a lot with putting the uh, kickstarter together as well did you in your hopes that it would get to the halfway mark or were you so sure it was going to win kind of thing or did you think oh it'll never happen to me where, where was your feelings at um i don't know like okay i got loads of donations on like day one and overnight and then it stood still for ages and then it moved again stood still and then suddenly it started going up and it's kind of like is it gonna happen is it not gonna happen it's constant stress i'd say that's how i feel it's like a roller Kickstarter coaster. Worried. Yeah, Kickstarter's yeah. always. I mean, I don't know if you remember us talking about this back in the day, Lola, but we did say to you, in the first week, you might do really, really well, then you're going to hit a slum. But don't panic, because normally by the end of it, it picks back up. And it's been like that so far, hasn't it? It's been up, down, up, down. And yeah. I think that's just yeah. the way they all go. But in all fairness, I think you're doing better at this stage from what I've seen a lot do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've got my PayPal campaign as well, so we're going to put the money from that one in the Kickstarter when that ends. I nice thought it was right. a good idea having like that as a backup because I know a lot of people have said that they didn't want to create an account for Kickstarter yeah. to put the bank mm-hmm. details mm-hmm. in. So we're just going to throw all that money over. So that's like £170, I think. And it's then I think we're aiming crazy. to do a charity event as well, aren't we? So that'll, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, which we're just uh, waiting for confirmation about venue about that because we want to try and again, you know, we've read through the first scripts. We met Lola, what, like nearly two years ago now, back when we had uh, one of our first over a year ago. (laughs) Yeah. And we were very taken back by uh, the amount of passion and creativity involved and your dedication and drive to this. So we've always been trying to be as supportive as we can with it. 
And I feel like I would love to see this come to fruition, not just for how much it would impact you personally and how obviously it would be like, you know, an actual (laughs) next stage of the thing you've been working on for well over, you know, a decade of your life. But also I think that it's the kind of project that the Northeast really needs because a lot of stuff like this doesn't really exist here. And the amount of local actors and local people that could get involved with it, I think it'd be completely fantastic for them. And so my fingers are very crossed. And I mean, yeah, yeah, I'll throw my two cents in, guys. You know, I believe this is a great project and we're very, very happy to support and back it. And all I can say is, you know, if you have the time, go on the Kickstarter. We'll have a link in our description, obviously. Check it out. Decide if you feel like looking into it. If you don't want to put any money into it, if you could just share it and let people know about it, you know, let people know about what Lola's up to. I think that would be, again, incredibly thankful we are for you and worthwhile. Don't you hate that part of these <laughs> things where you have to kind of always feel like your sales pitch is like, today for you, I can get you a TV pilot for only 10,000 pounds. But let's face it, it's better us doing that than when you see these millionaire filmmakers who are already making it still doing it. Yeah, because it, I think that's because so it happens. <laughs> yeah, like I must Never. say, I I'm sorry, Wayne. I was just gonna say, I fucking hated when like Zach Braff went on and yeah. got like four million to make a movie on people while he's sitting there doing Scrubs, making you know like what was it? I think he took nine million a year off that. I was going to say, he's already got four million just sitting in his back pocket. You like, know, dude, like, if wow. you're that rich, risk your own fucking money if you believe in the project. Exactly. I know for a fact if Lola had 10 grand in her back pocket, she would have just spent it and made it already. Yeah, I would have. I've literally like saved up since Christmas and I've just put that in the bank today. Saved like 500 and I've saved 400 elsewhere. Like I, I need that money myself to survive, but I've put it aside. I've sacrificed my own happiness to put that for the show. I'm just like, no, I'm that, not going to spend that. That's really yeah. nice to see again yeah. because you don't always see people putting their own money in. You know, and it's like I know we we've actually put a lot of effort in, which is money as well, because you know, we, we, we're sacrificing a lot of time while we could be actually working on other things to help you get this done, which it might not be money direct, but it is money, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, this is why I say, I mean, if you if you don't want to, if you don't want to or can't contribute to the Kickstarter, if you want to support Lola and even just take the time to share, that is, again, still a direct support that will support, support the project. Exactly. And, that's what it boils down to. I mean, obviously, I would say, Lola, don't ever go into a situation where, like, you got to choose between donating to your own Kickstarter or eating. But the fact that you're willing to sacrifice whatever you have spare to try and make this dream happen, that shows that dedication and how much you want to get it accomplished. And I think that that's something that people won't actually know. And I'm hoping that they hear that and realize just how passionate you are about this. It's not like, that'd be fun to make. No, you're doing everything you can, sacrificing things to try and make this happen. I think that's a huge thing. Yeah, like even my grandparents have like sacrificed loads of things just to try and get like move it, the fund and stuff like that. And it's so sweet of them, like even though I feel really guilty that it's their money that they're just putting towards things. But yeah, I would literally sell my car to pay for the show. But that shows their belief in you and their commitment in you to do that. You know, I mean, yeah. which is nice. 
it's just like it's overwhelming because I'm like you could use it towards like something else and they're like no no have it that's beautiful and it's also it's worth mentioning for anyone out there who is thinking about contributing that obviously if you do contribute to the fund it doesn't actually get taken out until the fund ends and the 24th of September so you don't have to worry about that that scratch today and it won't go anywhere unless we reach the full goal it's not like uh, Lola's just going to take whatever there is and go running with it the goal the, the project's been budgeted and if it doesn't reach that level it can't be made it's not like a case of oh well, we got half we'll just do it half-assed no, it's getting done right or it's not getting done. So if you're contributing, you're only going to spend that investment if it's actually happening and it is getting made. So there's no just like throwing money into an empty pot, which I think is important because I've known people who've run Kickstarters where it's like, oh, yeah, we accept whatever we get, but we need we need 200 grand and they get like 5,000 pounds and they go, right, that's mine. Nope. Oh, well, can't make this project, but at least we have your money. Whoa, where's the fairness in that? You know, I've seen that exactly. happen before. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and it's it's wrong. Personally, I think that's wrong. But yeah, so uh, Lola, tell me a bit about um, what your long-term future hopes are, your goals, your dreams you've been working toward with Monday Blues. What's your long-term hopeful? Five years from now, we look back, what have you accomplished? Um, I'm hoping that I've had multiple series produced, not to be ambitious, but I did give up on Monday Blues when I got to college, which was 2016. I was like, I need to do something different. And I started writing other series and they're all set within the same universe. So it would be nice to see them all made. And you always see crossovers from characters, which I think is quite unique. It's mostly in American shows, but I want to change that up. So how many seasons do you see this running for? I always said like five, but at the same time, it's not specifically set in one location. It travels with the characters. So it could go on for as long as, I don't know. As long as people want it to go on, basically. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows what fans are like. They're constantly demanding new series. They're like, I want another one. I want another. And you're like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you want the Monday Blues to be more like, because obviously it takes place, if I'm right in thinking, the very last year of Maya's time at the boarding school. So if it got beyond that time when she leaves the boarding school, it'd be like still following Maya in a different way. So it's kind of like uh, Saved by the Bell. You know, they have the regular Saved by the Bell, then the Saved by the Bell, the college years, then Saved by the Bell University, that kind of thing. Who says Maya's leaving boarding school? Well, I'm not, I'm not saying she is, but you just make the assumption <laughs> something happens after it ends. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just. I'm I haven't, just I haven't read the finale or anything yet. Just tell me you haven't done like an M Night Shyamalan, and you get to the last episode, and it turns out Maya was dead all along. God, I'd hate to do that. Never. <laughs> yeah, Never. I would hate I if you like did that's that. That's a disappointment. <laughs> I know you're young, so you might know this, but there was a show in America called Dallas back in like the '70s, and they had oh, this yeah, entire. I've, I've, I've met yeah. Patrick Duffy, so. Oh, yeah. cool. Well, yeah, um, they had this whole arc where this all these really exciting things happened and they shot JR and all this. The next season, it turns out it was like a, it was a dream. Who the shot whole, JR? I don't know. I can't remember. But the whole previous season was a dream is the point. And that's like the most evil form of writing I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, that whole last season never happened. I was being, I was being awkward because I, that was the thing for years, wasn't it? Who shot yeah. JR? Because that was the big question. And then, oh, it was a dream anyway. Who cares? The dream was ridiculous. They That's did that like, with something else yeah. as well, though. 
And it was something like Neighbours are Home and Away. It was it was something stupid where they brought the character back and it was all supposed to be like a dream or something daft like that. And it was just like, really? Well, I remember the ending of St. Elsewhere was that it was all in some guy's mind as he looks into a snow globe of the hospital and every character was just in his imagination. Yep, talk about not knowing where it is. <laughs> yeah. So, so these guys, they land on an island, but the island's full of mysteries. What kind of mysteries? What's the solution? We don't know yet. We'll figure it out if you give us enough money. And then you have lost. Best ending to a show that's in how you history. Get lost. I was just going to say, that's how you get lost, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I've never seen a show literally shit itself except for lost it's so bad but yeah lola isn't gonna do a lost so that's good no we've established I've got that. plans plans are good plans are good. can you believe that ladies and gentlemen a writer with plans for the story they're writing it's it's almost insane to think that's a big deal yeah i already know what's happening like i already know what series two is about because i have actually wrote the entire series now and i'm now just re-editing so I know what's coming, and I know what should come next. Awesome. That's a lot of dedication right there. It's a lot of dedication. Even I wanted to know what happened next. I couldn't just leave it. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the funny thing, isn't it? When you create an idea for a show, and you're like, right, here's how it begins. And we have no idea how it's going to end. We'll wait and see what time dictates. It's nice to see you actually have a beginning, middle, and end. What's worse yeah. is, right, Lola, is when somebody has an idea for an end and then somebody else comes along and says, by the way, what happens if this? And he's like, you bastard. I had that ah, perfectly marked it up, up forever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Hank had an idea for an end of a film and I've changed it totally. And he loved it. <laughs> and he yeah, hated me for it. Bear it in mind, right? This isn't like a theoretical movie we haven't made yet and it's like a script somewhere. We were actually filming the ending of the movie and he goes, you know this ending? What about man? <laughs> and I go, you fucking asshole. Now we have to reshoot everything we're doing today. And we changed everything during the day while filming. Wow. So that was like the very last minute change. Wasn't like, oh, yeah, we're writing the script. No big deal. But it was for the better. Oh, yeah, it's a much better ending. It's much more, <laughs> you know, it went from being like uh, your generic cop type thing to a Kaiser Soze moment. So that was cool. Yeah. I'm not going to obviously spoil it for everyone because eventually it'll come out and you'll all see what we're talking about. But yeah, uh, it's irritating that you literally waited till the cameras were actually rolling. Well, filming it to was, change was it. Was it because... They gave us script bit by bit by bit. They wouldn't give us the full script. So yeah, I didn't want people to know it was going to happen. It was on you. Yeah, I know. I'm an asshole. <laughs> it's funny, though, because, like, okay, side story here. When you're first trying your hand at, you know, being a filmmaker and you hadn't done it before, one of the ideas I had was, wouldn't it be so exciting if people we're just playing each scene plain because obviously the characters don't know what's going to happen in the future. Why should they know what's going to happen to their futures? And they can play it moment to moment. Why give them the full script in advance so they know the ending? Because then that'll dictate how they act, maybe. Yeah, I learned that's not true. I learned that that's actually a load of shit. 
any good he, actor can he, can know the ending and not give it away. <laughs> but I didn't know that at the time. I thought maybe this was like you know, oh, if they know they're gonna die in the next in the next scene, then they're gonna act differently. No, that's not what actors do. They actually act. So I learned that that was a all I did was waste time to make them do rehearsals right before shooting, which so I could have done if right. I thought. Get yeah. it right. Yeah, true. In fairness, some of the people we had on that shoot, they weren't professional actors. I think they probably appreciated having to wing it on the day. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the actual actor actors were so fucking mad. They didn't have like days to perform and produce and, and rehearse. So yeah, learning curves, man. It's all learning curves. When we uh when this gets funded and Monday Blues goes from being a script to a table read and casting and then eventually on on location, I think it's all gonna be quite a learning curve for you, Lola, and it's gonna be quite a lot to take in. But I think it's something you're really excited for, isn't it? Um nervous, I'd say that, because I don't really know what I expect that much. But from what I've seen on like behind the scenes of other shows. Well, it doesn't seem as bad as I always think because there's so many stereotypes out there from like within the industry that there's a lot of toxicity and stuff. So that scares us a lot. Mm-hmm. But hopefully everything we, will go to plan. The one thing we try to eradicate straight away within our company is toxicity. We always like to try and work with people who are happy to work with each other and who will benefit from each other. I'm a big believer in that. I always have been. Um, I don't like one person saying, this is my show. This is everybody's show. From the actors up to the crew. I mean, I will say, um, at the end of the day, all these creative endeavors are still businesses. You know, you're still spending money to make each thing happen. So then you're freaking out about how much money you're spending for the time and the location and the amount of actors and so on. And it is an incredibly high pressure environment, filmmaking high high stress high risk high reward high yield kind of environment however a good producer doesn't put that on the actors no a good producer does not put that on the directors a good producer deals with those headaches and tells everyone let's keep this moving efficiently yeah and i think that you know we've seen a kind of mellowing of hollywood if you read about what happened with like Wizard of Oz back in like what what, what year was Wizard of Oz? No, nineteen thirties. Yes, thirty four, wasn't it? Somewhere it's around the thirties region. Oh no, it was like the first Technicolor ever in. Film. Oh, that's right. It was. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So apparently, it actually wasn't. I've read a fact about that one. Well, sorry. Let me rephrase. It was the first studio mandated <laughs> Technicolor release. That's not necessarily true, of course. Like. Alexander Graham Bell invented the phone, or did Elijah Gray? Anyway, that, there's always way, whoever. That, that's, that's where I got. That's where I got mistaken. I was thinking World War One, but it was actually beginning of World War Two. It was 1939. Oh, 39. Oh, see, I was still yeah. off. I was, I was five was. years early. Yeah. Five years early. Silly me. But the point is, there's stories about like they were doing a take, and uh, Judy Garland kept laughing. So the director walked over, took her behind a tree, and literally just slapped her repeatedly until she would get so upset. That she could do the take without laughing, and it's and they, you know the studio was mandating her diet. They were giving her caffeine pills so she could do longer shoots, and she was only like fifteen or something. They made and her smoke think, and everything apparently. Oh yeah, to lose weight, they had her smoking and stuff. Yeah, and you think, holy shit, you couldn't do that shit today. But who would want to do that today? Is the difference? Yeah, because these were not people; exactly. these were assets. I mean, that's that's, that's what brutal. killed her. Her mom put her on drugs yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, it wasn't just that. They had to sign to Hollywood for so many years before they even get out and they had to do shit what they didn't want to do. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I think over the years, I think those uh, the power they had has dwindled to where it is the power of the individual has come more into effect. And I don't think we live in a society now where people making movies want to treat people like that. No. And they don't feel they need to. So we're just getting rid of that last You'll, bit of the, the, stress. There'll always be the exception to the rule, but I think the majority now want an amicable shoot rather than a dictator doing the shoot. Yeah. There's a great story about William Friedkin, I think it was, who was doing The Exorcist. And he wanted to get the best reaction out of Linda Blair. So when she wasn't expecting it, he fired a gun into the floor on set to get a real reaction off her. And that might look oh, great wow. in the movie and all this sort of stuff. But if you did that shit today, you'd be fired from that movie and replaced in like three minutes. And I think that's probably a good thing in the long run. Yeah. 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 Great movie and all, but come on, man. No one should literally be dying for their art. Yeah, that's scary. <laughs> yeah. So don't worry about that aspect of it. I think it'll, I think by the time it gets to cameras rolling on Monday Blues, it'll be a little more chill than that. Yeah. I'm just kind of like excited at the same time to work with my favorite actress. And tell us all about that. How'd that come about? And, and again, let's get a little insight into uh, what uh, you've been doing to get this thing off the ground involving her. Um, well, originally... I emailed our agent, which was last year. I emailed about three times and I never heard anything. And I was like, oh, so this is so bad. I'm like, why? They're not replying. And then I'm like talking. I'm like, what do we do? And then at one point I was like, I'm just going to try again. And I tried a different email address. I tried the general one and then it got forwarded to someone. And yeah, I got a reply and said that she was available and that should read the script. So I sent it across and she absolutely loved it. Like she still loves it. And yeah, awesome. I got a Zoom with her and the Zoom call lasted two hours because we literally related to each other so much. Like it was like we knew each other forever. And after then we just kept in touch and she's not really replying that much at the moment, but I'm doing a catch up with her. Yeah, I'm so excited though. That's great. Are you allowed to say who this is? Yeah, Gillian Kearney. What's she, what's she known for? Casual E, Emmerdale, Brookside, lots of other things. She's actually just started directing things the other year. So oh, very tempted cool. to ask if she'll direct the pilot, but I don't think she will. So she's very experienced with the TV landscape as well, though. That's really excellent. Yeah, she's been in it since she was... Around my age, she literally had to leave drama school early to go and film stuff. So, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. I know. But just goes to show, show. I was going to say, just goes show persistence is key. It's like again, I remember talking to Lola back in the day. And I know you were getting upset because people weren't replying to your emails, and I've explained that that's happened to me millions of times. But the more you keep pushing, the more they'll see that you are actually being serious. Um, and they will eventually get back to you. But sometimes it's because they're either busy or they're out of 
the area. Do you know what I mean? And it's just literally yeah. showing, showing them that you are committed. And I think that's what you did eventually. And eventually they did get back to you. Yeah, I mean, I'm doing the same with somebody else at the moment. And it's a nightmare because as soon as the, the person has three agents and every single time I email, because apparently he is going to read it or something, and it's been over a month now. And every time I go to email, one of the agents is out the office and they don't seem to reply if there's the other ones out the office. Weird. Yeah, That's... it's like, seriously? <laughs> The, the funny thing is agents, not only do they come in their own kind of between really, really on the ball and really, really shit. And there's also the agreements with the actors themselves who may or may not want to be that involved with that agency and how much they're actually, you know, just get me the work or actually tell me what I want to work with and all this sort of stuff. We were, um, a while ago, we were killing people with a script that was cursed and getting in touch with their <laughs> agents and they kept dying whenever we'd actually get someone attached to the project funny that's enough. why i never asked my favorite <laughs> after yet yeah like, <laughs> we literally you know we had like uh rutger hauer had said that he really liked it and wanted to get involved and then died almost immediately and it was like oh that's not good. oh my well, gosh there was one before that though <laughs> yeah, there was yeah, um, yeah I don't... this one this one it was funny piper who was a legend yeah. You know, and he was really keen on being in it. And then he, he went was. and died. And it started to make us wonder <sighs> if maybe we're actually literally killing people. So we stopped promoting it. But what was funny was uh, one actor in particular, their agent gets back in touch and goes, uh, yep, here's here's what uh, they cost per day. Oh, I know. I and, one. Yeah, I'm not going to name yeah, the name. It you feels told us about that one. Yeah. And we go, well, don't they want to read the script? He doesn't read scripts. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just give the money and they don't turn up. Uh, okay, fair enough. That's well, how you want to run your career. What about the other one, though? Oh, yeah, it's five grand just for them to read the script. Uh, oh, God, I don't, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. He wanted five grand just to read the script. It's like, nah. He's not even it's that good. That it, it's just, like, ridiculous. I feel like a lot of high-profile actors don't exactly want to, like, engage with like new creators whereas like i feel like there's a lot of actors especially the ones i've talked to was who were so down to earth and they just mm -hmm. they kind of want to help people well and i think that's like that's really nice that's the thing though that sometimes it's the agents it's not the actors the agents are the problem because we also once spoke to an agent who said the actor had no interest but we actually got to speak to the actor separately and he loved the, act, the idea of it. And he actually wow. said to us, don't bother going through the agent, forget the agent, just come to me direct, there's my email. So it's not yeah. always the actor who's at fault. Sometimes it's the agent. Well, let's be fair though. What's, what's your goal as an actor? Your goal is probably to act and hopefully make money while doing it. Your agent, on the other hand, their entire goal is get as much money as humanly possible, yeah. as frequently as possible, and take your 10, 15 percent. Exactly. So, you know, when someone comes along and goes, I've got a really cool script, however, it's low budget, so they'd have to take a cut on their law, a, a cut on their wage. Most agents are going to go pass before they even look at yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Well, if everyone looked at it that way, you wouldn't have movies like Reservoir Dogs or, you know, Usual Suspects, which have big actors who took massive pay cuts because they love the script. Yeah. But hey, you know, that's the fun of this industry. 
So tell people a little bit about your previous experiences. What, because uh, you're not just just a writer. You're also involved in lots of creative endeavors. Isn't that right? That you do like a bit yeah. of modeling and so on? Yeah, I pretty much have learned to do everything. It's just like when you're an only child, you just have to figure out things to entertain yourself. So I just, I've learned to play instruments. I sing a lot of the time act a lot of the time i've done a drama academy where i got a trinity exam except that was just horrendous and i wouldn't recommend going to that specific one ever but yeah it taught us exactly what not to do in the industry because everything they told us was mostly lies so it was just like i'm self-taught really i, I prefer to teach myself how to do things because i'm the one who can get through to myself yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah. as well, a uh, little use of trivia for everyone. If you watch on the uh, the Kickstarter page, there's a little teaser on there, as well as some interviews with uh, Lola and some of the uh, crew from New Enterprise Studios. On the teaser, the theme song that's playing is actually one that not only did Lola write it herself, she performed it live, and that's the recording. as a live recording. Heard her uh, ukulele, yeah? It's scary. Every time I listen to it, I'm like, no, I don't want to hear it. It just sounds so bad to us. Uh, you know, it's the live aspect of it that is what makes it good, in my opinion. I know you're sitting there like, you know, oh, it could be more fleshed out. People are listening. They're hearing my voice and all this sort of stuff. That's a natural thing to have that fear of people's like reactions. But, you know, especially when you have so much interest in creating, you're going to have to get used to people judging as well. Yeah, I'm not really bothered about that. And like you say, just ignore the haters, man. It's kind of more about me. Like, every time I hear myself back, it doesn't sound good. So I automatically think I'm not good. And because people who didn't like us told us I was good, I don't trust myself enough. That is actually a very common thing with actors. They hate their own voice. Um, I know a lot of big name actors who are like that as well. So that that is quite normal. Yeah, I'll be hiding myself if I have to watch anything back. Oh, Hank will tell you, everything I act in, I never won't watch. It's just, try, you just don't want to? They try to drag me in, and I'll just stand, I'll be out here, tell when it's finished. Simple as I that. did that in college. <laughs> See, I am so the opposite. I guess I must just be like an extrovert, because I don't I don't care about people's opinions, except that I, I think it's good fun. I don't know, I, I couldn't care about people's opinions. I'm not bothered, I, you know, I don't... It's me. I just don't like. I meant. Me. I sorry. Let me rephrase. I don't mean their opinions about the product or anything. I just mean about watching me specifically. We had obviously a screening at this festival a little while ago of uh, a short film that we did called "Welcome Back to Work," and it, we're all doing embarrassing, silly things on it. And I sat, I stood to the side of the stage, listening to the audience and watching them all as they watched it, and it gave me such a delight. I had a massive smile on my face when they're reacting the way you hope they'd react, you know, with like, oh, there's a laugh here. Oh, there's a little laugh there. Oh, there's a big laugh there. That was bigger than I expected. Oh, and now everyone's grabbing sick bags and literally throwing up. Yes, just what I wanted from the movie. I was in standing next fairness. to a woman and she threw up watching it. It was the best moment ever. In all fairness, that was a different film entirely because even I didn't mind watching that because we were just making fools of ourselves. That is totally different. Oh, then when you're doing like a serious acting job. Yeah, yeah. All right, okay. So like, because you weren't really playing a character, you were just being kind of like an idiot. You didn't mind it. But if you were playing a really severe character, you'd want to know that people, you'd be afraid of people not reacting to that character properly. 
I don't know. I couldn't give a shit what other people think. It's me. I struggle with it. Oh, just literally I, how you because, feel watching being watched. I always criticize myself. I always know I can do better. Or I feel like I should have done better. Or I feel like I could have done that different. Or, and that's just the way I feel. Um, so I, I, I'll only watch it by myself. So I can make sure I do better next time. Because for me personally, I think if ever I sit down and think that was the perfect performance, what's the point of doing it anymore? Mm. You should always think you can better yourself. Always. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I often look at actors and I think that actors are a lot of the times kind of like dogs when they poop. (laughs) Right. I walk my dog. Right. And then every now and then she'll have to squat and have a poop and whatnot. And if you're watching her, because you want to make sure it looks healthy and whatnot, you know, as an animal, as a person who takes care of their animal. And she'll always look over me with this look on her face like, why are you watching me? Look away, man. Give me me my dignity back. And yeah, I know a lot of actors like to that. Well, maybe your dog does. My dog looks so embarrassed. Like, I'm so sorry. I held it as long as I could. Don't look at me. Yeah, mine just kicks all the grass at you for doing it. Look at me, will you? There you go. Thanks, dog. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man, dogs. Well, cool. Is there, uh, before we close this up, is there anything anyone wants to bring up in particular about uh, Monday Blues or anything else? Not that I can think of. I think just to top everything off, like, you know, I, I've been working with Lord now for quite some time. And I've seen Lord grow from strength to strength and have more confidence in herself, which for me tells tells everybody what they need to know that this is going to go places. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you really want to see something from the Northeast getting me and being successful, give it a go, back it up. Yeah, yeah. I'll, say as, I'll say as well from having read through the uh, initial episodes and helping kind of craft the documents that would go into making the Kickstarter, when we would have a meeting with Lola and we would sit and talk to her and we'd say, here's what we think's the, the correct pass and here's what's really working well in your script and what isn't working well or in our opinion and all this sort of stuff, there was never any time where I felt that she was a diva. You know what I mean? It's my way or the highway kind of attitude. Lola is very good at listening, taking on board and trying to find the best solution of what's going to please the most people and make them really enjoy the project. And Lola's crafted a series of stories here, I think, are universally interesting, but they also do have that personal element as a through line that helps kind of give voices to people that don't always feel they have a voice and makes people that feel like no one's looking at them, no one's paying attention or listening or helping feel noticed and i think that's a really important thing in today's age and i'm very excited for it i really hope that you guys are excited for it too and have a look at the kickstarter and like i said earlier if you can at least share would be fantastic if you want to donate anything would be even better and we really appreciate you listening today really appreciate you looking at the kickstarter and we all hope to for the same thing to see this thing come to life so you can enjoy it on your screens at home definitely yeah it'd be amazing to see it actually be off the ground It'll be a relief, actually, because then I wouldn't have to stress as much. <laughs> yeah, but then you'll stress about your next project and your next one. <laughs> I think I'd be used to it by then. Oh, you never get used to it fully. No, you I'll never be honest, get used to you it. Don't. <laughs> but it does get easier. The adrenaline you get used to. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
Right, excellent. Well, in that case, guys, I've been your host today, Henry Thompson, with my brother Wayne Thompson, and we would thank the time we've had with uh, Lola Louise here. Um, again, if you want to check out the Kickstarter, the links will be in the description of this episode. We'd love for you guys to at least share and have a look. But even if you don't, I hope you guys enjoy your day. Have a great day. Keep watching those great movies, and we'll catch you next time on Movie Madness. Good night, everybody. Take care, y'all. You got to say goodbye as well, Lola. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>